I drink your milkshake. You are listening to the Billionaire Podcast Network. How's my how's my lighting, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to Theseus number five. Is this the fifth one I've done? Anyway, this is Theseus is the premium solo show only on the Billionaire Podcast Network. Ka-ching! Bing 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 bing. Fill her up. This is the, this is the the uh, companion piece to Lost in the Maze. Lost in the Maze is uh, you know, we're lost. We're we're feeling our way around in the dark, and the Theseus is the show where we uh, you know, we're trying to find a way out the dang maze. <clears throat> you know, like I uh, uh, explained on the first episode of this. It's called Theseus because uh, Theseus was some guy who had to he had to go in a maze to confront the Minotaur in Crete and he uh, killed the Minotaur and um, and then I didn't even realize in naming the show that it's also like I, for, I, for, I, I, I totally forgot about the, the ship of Theseus like thought experiment where it's like if you I don't know if you got a ship and then you start like you know the boards are rotting so you have to start replacing stuff and then like Little by little, every piece of the ship is replaced with something else. So is the the ship of Theseus still the same ship when every piece has been replaced? <clears throat> uh, I for, I forget what the point of of all that is. Um, I'm not a you know I'm not a philosopher. I'm not even a comedian anymore. So unfortunately, I'm not even a modern day philosopher uh, as they as they say. Uh, but I've, I've been trying to figure out like. <clears throat> what this show is like what it should be uh because so so far it's just been me reading news articles that i find i think the i don't think i know i I don't know why i I did that um no i know that the last episode that i posted for this show was all about zen and nicotine pouches because you know i was uh, packed to the gills with zen when I woke up that morning and I thought, you know, maybe I should go read some news about Zen. But I, I think what this should be is a more of a companion piece to uh, the week's episode of Lost in the Maze. And, and that show is, you know, like I said, just stumbling around the maze, the, the, the sort of cornfield, lost, lost, trying to find our way feeling around looking for looking for uh hidden you know uh platforms and buttons to push that might open secret walls uh you know 
And so this show, I, I think, is it should be a companion. I want to distill something uh, from what uh, what is talked about on the you know whatever the week's episode of Lost in the Maze is. So for this week, um, <clears throat> I, I talked about something on uh, this week's episode of the of Lost in the Maze. I, I, I went into a, a whole spiel about feudalism and come to find out uh there something's in the air folks because i am not the first and only person to have that thought <laughs> that we should return or rather we are inevitably headed toward a, a feudalistic revival in, in our economy and political system uh i did a search uh i did a quick search just for the word feudalism and there are a plethora of pretty recent studies and articles about how this what i talked about actually might just be happening whether you want it to or not uh so that's interesting that <laughs> i just landed on that just thinking about uh i guess just how shitty everything is and how it's like yeah i guess i'm a pet i guess we're all just peasants again that's what it feels like and then it turns out those like that is the sort of like overarching machinations of the ruling class is to effectively turn us all back into a peasant class and, and control very you know they want to control various fiefdoms uh <clears throat> so i've got some uh some texts pulled up here uh i'm on everybody's favorite uh uh journal journal uh news journal albert jazeera and <laughs> this is an article that they published from february 14th of this year february 14th 2023 by khaled D we the best uh we the, we the we the best news khaled diab and this is an article titled the unmistakable musk of feudalism Elon Musk running Twitter as if it is his personal fiefdom. What I say, folks? Fiefdoms. Is a glaring sign of the emergence of a new form of feudalism. So, you know, I mean, people been, they've been, they done been thinking about this. Uh, okay, let's get into the article. Ever since his takeover of Twitter, Elon Musk has been running the social media company like a medieval nobleman lording it over his own personal fiefdom the tech billionaire clearly believes he knows everything better than everyone else at twitter and treats the employees of his new company as though they are modern day serfs anyone who is unlucky enough to work for musk's twitter has only two options submit to his extremely hardcore working conditions and accept his passing fancies or be fi fired <clears throat> Musk's reign at Twitter has been defined by a combination of eccentricity, overconfidence, and lack of care for community welfare, giving the maddest overlords of the past a run for their money. The tech billionaire entered his newly conquered realm carrying a kitchen sink and almost immediately started firing employees for correcting his mistakes or daring to publicly criticize him. He reinstated the account of a former U.S. president who was banned for inciting violence after conducting a poll among the platform's users on whether he should do so. 
Oh, that's interesting. I guess is so. Is this? I guess the guy writing this must not be American, or they're based out of somewhere else. That he's referring to Trump as a former U.S. president, it, like, but I, I guess like providing some sort of context for the readers that who, like, I guess if you don't know who he is, uh, they end up he's back on the site. It's just an interesting way to uh, to refer to Trump because uh, like. The name Trump is so ubiquitous that he kind of transcends the title of president, even. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting to see a different country's perspective on that. Um, he tried to make the influential microblogging app profitable by putting its blue tick verifications on sale for $8 per month, which might be a scam. I, I don't know about that. Like, that I I thought like I'm shadow banned or something on that site, and so I did sign up for that for a little while. And, and like the promise of that is it'll like boost your profile and allow you to post like more stuff, especially like longer videos. And every single fucking goddamn time that I try to like upload like an episode of this or, or like a long podcast or something direct to the site, it never fucking works. It gets like 20 22 percent of the way uploaded and then just like shits the bed and it says error uploading and then you have to like try again and, it, and then it's like well this is gonna take a while and then it gets 20 percent, and then it hits me with an error so the, i mean that shit doesn't even, it doesn't even fucking work and and in like your prof your prof it doesn't help you it's i think it's a scam what he's doing and i'm i'm the rube who fell for it um whatever $8 per month with foreseeably disastrous consequences and by unceremoniously getting rid of employees who he believed were doing superfluous jobs. The arrogant incompetence Musk has displayed since taking the helm of Twitter disproved yet again the myth that billionaires are extraordinary people with extraordinary minds and extraordinary ideas, that they are superheroes a cut above us mortals. In fact, Musk's Twitter antics prove that, much like the feudal lords of the past, today's billionaires are, for large part, nothing other than ordinary people with ordinary shortcomings who have been given extraordinary powers. Of course, there are some significant differences between the likes of Musk and the Caesarians... Suzerains? Suzerains? the fuck is this word? Hold on, what, what the fuck is a Suzerain? S-U-Z-E-R-A-I-N. The fuck does that mean? Suzerain Suzerainty. Suzerain and Suzerain. The fuck is this word? Um how do you how do you pronounce this? Suzerainty. Suzerainty. Su Suzerainty includes the rights and obligations of a person state or other polity which controls the foreign policy and relations of a tributary state but allows the tributary state internal autonomy while the subordinate party is called a vassal vassal state or tributary state the dominant party is called a suzerain 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 the rights and obligations of a vassal are called vassalage, and the rights and obligation of a suzerain are, are called suzer suzerainty. 
suzerainty. Suzerainty differs from sovereignty in that the dominant power allows tributary states to be technically independent, but enjoy only limited self-rule. Although the situation has existed in a number of historical empires, it is considered difficult to reconcile with 20th or 21st century concepts of international law in which sovereignty is a binary concept which either exists or does not. While a sovereign state can agree by treaty to become a protectorate of a stronger power, modern international law does not recognize any way of making this relationship compulsory on the weaker power. Suzerainty is a practical de facto situation rather than a legal du jour, du jour one. Okay, I guess I understand that now. Um, suzerains of the past. Our 21st century overlords possess more wealth in absolute terms than anyone who came before them, but must submit, at least in theory, to greater democratic checks and balances. Nevertheless, the power they exercise is not confined to a manor or even a state. Their fiefdoms, or fiefdoms, fiefdom, are the global corporations in unregulated or underregulated areas of the globe. Thus, today's billionaires have a much larger influence over our collective future and the future of our planet than any of their any of their medieval counterparts. The likes of Musk not only have near complete control over the fates of their employees, but unmatched indirect influence over all our lives. They can, for example, decide whose voice gets amplified and who is banned from the commercialized end of the public sphere, which is rapidly expanding. They exercise a disproportionate influence over where humanity's attention and resources are directed towards a commercialized space race and colonizing Mars, rather than feeding the poor and combating the climate and ecological crises. Our current social order, where inequality is rife, mad rife, and billionaires have absolute power over corporations, that are challenging the authority of states where our collective ability to keep the powerful in check resides has led some academics to dub our current system of governance dominated by the likes of musk neo-feudalism what i tell you folks the neo-feudal arrangement we have found ourselves in became more obvious and much more extreme than ever before in the past few years when the majority of humans on the planet have been hit by several interconnected crises from the COVID-19 pandemic and the climate emergency to devastating conflicts and disruptions to the energy market. While all these and the consequent global economic turndown made most of us significantly poorer, ain't that the truth? My net worth, I think, currently is negative $250,000. They somehow added to the wealth and power of the modern overlords, the super rich. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Just blew into the mic too hard. Uh, yeah, the super rich, the first billionaire podcaster, folks. The, the Daniel Plainview of podcasting. Ka-ching, bing, 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 fill her up. Indeed, according to Oxfam's recent report, Survival of the Richest, the richest 1% gobbled up some two-thirds of the $42 trillion in wealth created around the world since 2020. A billionaire gained roughly $1.7 million for every $1 of new global wealth earned by a person in the bottom 90%, the report found. 
Billionaire fortunes have increased by $2.7 billion a day. And all this came on top of decades of historic gains for billionaires. For instance, in Britain, billionaire wealth mushroomed by a jaw-dropping 1,000% in the three decades between 1990 and 2022, according to an estimate by the UK's Equality Trust. The dramatic nature of this upward redistribution becomes apparent when you consider that in the space of a few short decades, we went from one of the more egalitarian periods of recorded human civilization to one of its most unequal. Despite getting off to a highly unequal first decade and finishing with an increasingly unequal last decade, the 20th century was, in many parts of the world, one of the most egalitarian periods we know of, with some countries experiencing a narrowing of inequalities on a scale never seen or at least measured before. Part of the reason for this growing equality was the devastation wrought by two world wars and the desire to build a better world these global conflicts invoked. Other factors include political empowerment, the rise in mass democratic political participation, egalitarian political ideologies entering the mainstream, including social democracy and socialism, as well as communism and the reaction to it by affluent societies. In many developing states, economic equality initially improved in the early years of independence, in part inspired by a quest for post-colonial justice and development, but the situation worsened significantly in many countries as new elites emerged or old ones returned and consolidated their privileged status. So, what caused the fortunes of everyone but the most fortunate to take such a relative battering in recent decades, and how did the wealth gap become a chasm? I, I'm, I'm Casey Chasm. One major factor was the neoliberal economic model that has conquered much of the world. This eroded social safety nets, reversed or reduced the rate of progressive taxation, deregulated markets, and weakened labor protections. In this deregulated Wild West phase of globalization, the globalist, unscrupulous corporations are able to locate their production facilities where labor is cheapest and workers most abused and underpaid, while selling their wares in markets where profits are highest and headquartering themselves where taxes are lowest or non-existent. But there are other causes too. One is the quasi-feudal rentier economies that have emerged, which extract their income from the rent they impose on the assets they control. A prime example of this is petrostates, which are not reliant on the labor of their populations for their revenues, and fossil fuel companies, which can extract enormous value with relatively little need for labor. This helps explain why some studies have found, in spite of the paucity of accurate data, the oil-rich Middle East to be the most unequal region in the world. Despite its sleek, empowering, and futuristic image, Big Tech has also developed its own version of the Rentier model. Many apps and platforms, Amazon, Apple, and Uber, for example, produce no real products themselves, but extract hefty rents from suppliers. Oh, the digital landlords. Future. Mado, D wait, virtual landlords. Uh, automation is another major factor in wealth inequality as computers, robots, and apps 
make up what functions as the new slave or serf underclass, which works relentlessly, accurately, and obediently without needing sleep, paid holidays, health insurance, or organized unions, upon whose back so many billionaires have built their empires. The fuck is going on with this web? You know what's funny? Is this like, this whole article is like this sort of like warning about, you know, this feudalist, hyper-capitalist, uh, society that we're heading toward you, you know and, and this fucking goddamn website keeps like jumping and skitzing out because of all the goddamn fucking ads that keep having to refresh and pop up on the fucking goddamn screen it, this is driving me fucking crazy that not, nothing works anymore because he, as this fucking goddamn site is telling me about these virtual digital landlords they just rent out this space to, to, the, to the people. The site itself is fucking doing that with all these goddamn fucking ads. Supercharge your growth with marketing from Scribewise. Oh, that just refreshed. Infographic, the unrivaled benefits of our lab distribution solutions. Food manufacturers at Kikoman, we are aware of the pressures. Many food, less sodium. Okay, low sodium soy sauce. Malpractice insurance for orthodontists. The uh, fucking new Motorola Razor flip phone, AG1, start your day right. The fuck am I looking at? Don't slip up, CFI drives commitment. I don't know what any, it, it just keeps doing it. Sandals, Sandals St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Oh, okay, where was I? Tackling this gross inequality and bringing us back to the heyday of the mid to late 20th century, or even better, requires tackling all these myriad issues. We need progressive taxation, global regulation to tackle the tax avoidance of multinationals and the super rich. We also need to rethink how wealth is distributed at source by, for example, giving workers a fair slice of profits in highly profitable sectors and by distributing the huge gains from rising productivity to workers, not just shareholders, and top executives. We also need to ensure that automation serves to liberalize and enrich everyone by distributing the gains more fairly and evenly through higher salaries, shorter working weeks, and universal basic incomes. Just this website does it just, the website just doesn't work. It just keeps bouncing up and down and refreshing and showing me new ads. Despite what some claim, there is nothing natural, inevitable, let alone desirable, in the massive inequalities the world currently suffers. Throughout most of human prehistory, egalitarianism was actually the normal order. And this quest for egalitarianism has never gone away and will never go away, even at the most unequal of times. Moreover, egalitarianism is not just a question of high principles, it is also a pragmatic choice. Given the instability and conflict that is triggered in times of extreme inequality, it is in everyone's interest to build a fairer and more equal world. Just as we reject and resist the tyranny of political autocrats, we do not have to and must not agree to live in the modern day corporate dominated fiefdoms, fifo fiefdoms of the likes of Musk. Feudalism belongs in the dustbin of history and we should work to dump its latest iteration there as soon as possible. The views expressed in this article and the author's own do not necessarily reflect Albert Jazeera's editorial stance. Okay, so <clears throat> I don't know if y'all if y'all got all that. Uh, it's a lot to wrap your head around. I don't. I'm not smart, so I I am just the peasant class that's you know at the bottom rung of the fiefdom. Uh, but <clears throat> 
yeah i mean it, it looks like the 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 current this techno feudalism is like this idea that like the billionaires are establishing the 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 land like creating the digital landscape in a way that is whether it's by their like whether they're drawing from actual feudalism and it's like by design or if this is just like the the way that the the mind of a technocratic author like oligarch authoritarian works just naturally is they're designing the digital landscape to to be like yeah different fiefdoms where it's like you'll have the musk like vassal where we're you know the musk peasants and then you'll have uh zuckerberg's metaverse that's where you you know so it'll be it'll be like like game of thrones kingdoms but in, in like the digital landscape and we'll all answer to like different rungs on the ladder where it's like the peasants will will answer to like the lord or whatever the duke and then all the way up to the i guess the king of the internet who whomever that'll be um and the the most i guess like the most jarring thing that i just never really considered is that like these these uh these tech guys like these developers who who create the like these new innovations in, in tech that have become like ubiquitous in our lives where, where it is like amazon apple uber all these different platforms it, it is interesting how what they create the, the platform they created itself doesn't actually make anything it it, it is just like uh uh land or like digital property that one has to rent out from them with the the idea that like through using the platform the, the user will make a little bit of money and, and but the the business plan is is just to get a, enough people to rent out this space so that it like the the developers are the ones that make all the money and then the 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 peasant that signs up to try and use anything in this landscape is just, you know, funneling their resources up the the pipeline of the fiefdom up toward Musk, Bezos, um, Tim Cook, whomever. So I wasn't wrong, and uh, and. Um, the automation the stuff about automation is always interesting because you know like that's definitely happening where like computers robots apps uh are replacing all of the like it says here the slave or slur surf underclass and, and i you know that that's the thing that gets me is like all the people that are fighting clinging to uh, do th that want to just do shit that sucks and it's it's like look go study the human like here's the thing if a robot is going to take your job if you're if you're so bereft of any real qualities that matter to anyone that a robot can take your job if effectively then go study the humanities a little bit read a book and do podcasting okay because we're the robots can't do that yet they're trying they built one his name is lex friedman but he's he you know not necessarily the most entertaining guy to to watch or listen to um 
but yeah, I mean, you know, Lex Friedman is the beginning of, of AI taking over podcasting, but get, I mean, get it while they're still letting humans do it. So you have a backup for when they take your bat, you know, your grocery bagging job. Uh, okay. Let's moving on. Uh, this is from, you know, I know everybody hates the news now, so feel free to reach out, uh, and tell me if, if which of these websites suck that, you know, are part of some sort of globalist agenda or, or bias or bought out by Peter Thiel or wh whatever you guys say about the news. Um, but this is a site called The Diplomat. Read The Diplomat. Know the Asia Pacific. <laughs> and this is an article titled, I guess I should read these before I start recording. But it's, I guess this is sort of like the, the smartest version of a reaction video. <laughs> it's just blind reading the news. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's like the most intelligent version of, of reacting to something that you're going to get is, is a guy reading the news and reacting to that instead of like, you, you know, watching what, <laughs> you know, uh, what did I watch today? It was a really good reaction videos. There was like two black kids listening to, uh, talking heads for the first time. It was, that was one where I was actually like, okay, I actually believe that two like 19 year old black kids have never heard like psycho killer. That kind of like they probably actually have not heard this song. <laughs> that was a fun one. But now we we get an intellectual in this bitch. This is the intellectual reactions. Uh the rise of global feudalism. Economies need to get back, get back basics. Okay, this is definitely Asian. Economies need to get back basics. Education, access to capital, rule of law, and labor mobility. Slowing growth in China and India makes clear that consumers are the key to prosperity. In a, and this is by Brian P. Klein, and this is from April 7th, 2012. So this is over a decade ago. That they so this was our this was already a concern then. So let's hop in the Wayback Machine and read this article from 2012. In April 2007, New Century Financial Corporation filed for what was then a little noticed bankruptcy protection. Their mortgage-backed securities had, oh, here, this big short shit all over again. I don't fucking understand any of this. Their mortgage-backed securities had become worthless, and by summer, Bear Stearns began liquidating hedge funds. Come the autumn, Britain's fifth largest mortgage lender, Northern Rock, was on the ropes propped up by the Bank of England. The rest is well-known history. Five years on, after bank failures and bailouts, foreclosures and rising unemployment, the crisis that started as an obscure financial scheme has led to an unusual triple failure in all three of the world's traditional growth engines, the United States, Europe, and Japan. Though boom-bust... Damn, dude, I love to boom-bust. I love boom-busting. Though boom-bust cycles are nothing new, they tended to peak and trough at different times. Germany's early 20th century malaise was paired with America's roaring 20s. Japan's first lost decade of the 1990s coincided with a Western tech-driven high. Now, industrialized nations are facing their greatest economic threat in nearly a century, a troubled middle class losing its purchasing power to drive world growth. 
If current trends aren't reversed, and soon, 2012 may be the year the middle fails and a century of economic modernization grinds to a halt. Well, I think here in 2023, we can look back and say that, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's what happened. Uh, the upwardly mobile middle class is a relatively new phenomenon. For most of history, the wealthy stayed rich and most everyone else never had a chance. Over the last 60 years, the U.S., as world consumer of first resort, created a golden age of opportunity along with a strengthening Europe and Japan. The new middle class that emerged bought homes, cars, and appliances, powering mass market adoption of every major innovation of the time, from electricity and the telephone to medical technology and the internet. Without this purchasing power, investing in innovation loses its main appeal. The ability to profit from new products and ways of doing things sold into a mass market that can afford to buy them. Notice the shift already underway. Companies like Procter & Gamble are diversifying their product mix to appeal to budget consumers and premium brand buyers, while the middle market shrinks. They've introduced low-priced dish detergent and expensive replacement razor blades, while their laundry brand Tide has become so expensive it is attractive thieves that sell it on the black market or trade it for drugs. Contrary to the decline of the West, rise of the rest narrative in vogue these days, even fast growth economies like China, India, Russia, and Brazil can't pick up the slack. Burdened with years of lax planning and excessive state ownership of diverse industries from banks to airlines and steel mills, the BRICS middle-class purchasing power remains weak. Even overly optimistic forecasts of a new Asian century routinely use unsustainable growth rates that are already beginning to slow. Note China's revision to a more modest 7.5% growth target and India's struggle to keep growth alive. A shift is now underway, risky but necessary for developing economies that look to industrialized nations for demand. When Chinese President Hu Jintao addressed the National People's Congress last month, he emphasized the need to redirect the economy towards more domestic consumption. The World Bank in a recent report warned that China faces increasing risks of a hard landing if policies changing the role of government in the economy are enacted soon. Several leading economists believe that day has already come. Growth fueled by investment and infrastructure spending has done little for small and medium-sized enterprises, the core job creators, a social safety net, or healthcare. A triumphant Vladimir Putin, Putin on the Ritz, in his election victory speech declared a shift in growth away from Russia's state-owned enterprises and towards more free market reforms. Burma has started to free up its state-owned economy after decades of dictatorship. Hotels in Rangoon, is that where the, uh, where the cheese thing is from? The, the, it's the Chinese buffet, Rangoon? Crab, the, che the crab cheese Rangoon, the, the little like star fried pocket with the... Any, uh, hotels in Rangoon are filled with business people eager to get in early to the unveiling of a relatively untouched Southeast Asian gym. Here, too, state capitalism appears on its way out, not up. Unfortunately, reorienting growth towards the middle is much easier said than done, more like changing the direction of an ocean liner than a speedboat. Russia's great wealth has flowed to powerful oligarchies. 
China's income gaps are winding into chasms and social unrest is on the rise. India's companies are hampered by excessive government intervention, frequent power outages, and corruption. Even Brazil's rapid but thin growth is based heavily on natural resources. In the end, there has been no greater engine of growth than the power of the consumer. Both developed and developing economies need to get back need to get back basics, education, access to capital, rule of law, and labor mobility. Without them, growth stalls, inequality worsens, and political instability rises. Absent change, our collective futures look surprisingly like a not-so-distant past. That was feudalism, and it's making a comeback as well. The great age of opportunity that was a hallmark of the 20th century can last well into the next if countries focus on winning the race back to the middle and not to the destructive financial top. Brian P. Klein is a macro, macroeconomic and geopolitical strategist and former U.S. diplomat. His articles and op-eds have appeared in Foreign Affairs, New York Times, Newsweek, Japan, the International Herald Tribune, and South China Morning Post, among others. He's at work on his first book about the rise and fall of the global middle class and blogs at brianpklein.com. Interesting. So, yeah, the, the, this constant scramble toward the top by, I guess, everybody and that has dissolved the middle class is... I guess what's gonna destroy us all? Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's so. Yeah, I mean, it looks like greater minds than mine have been predicting this this return to feudalism for quite a while, and, and um, you know, damn, you know, damn, that's crazy. Anyway, I'm here, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm going to do, because I, I do want to, I want people to watch this as a companion to the solo show. So, so, uh, we'll cut it here and then I'll upload this portion to YouTube and then there'll be a part two to this. Th this is Theseus part five, part one that you've been listening to. And then part two will be over on the Patreon patreon.com slash cornfed with Dalton Pruitt and that's that's where that's where we're going to get into the rest of this uh that's where I'll do more Asian voice and, and it, it'll be a spicier reaction to <laughs> news articles I guess is what this show is reacting to the news <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go along uh but yeah so I'm going to cut it here and then upload this to YouTube and then part two will be over on the Patreon so Thank you for, uh, thank you, and, and I love you, and, and uh, 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 stay, stay, stay safe, everybody.